Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. So if you can't tell yet, things are different on purpose. Um, We'll give you more information on that as we move along through this morning. But when I came in, the lights were off and all the art was here, it reminded me when I was in college and I went up to my friend's church. Uh, He's Catholic and so we're best friends and he was going to uh, UC Santa Barbara and there was this little church that they meet at, the college group. And when I walked into that space, it was holy. And when the lights were off and we were here, it felt that same way. It brought me right back to that sense of when people set a space aside for God and it makes it holy. Even though we're in a middle school gym that is having a uh, drama production and there's still stuff all over the walls, it's still holy because we set it aside to make it holy. Um, We're going to do everything a little bit different this morning, so for family business, we're going to keep it very short. Um, Basically, if you're new and you want to know more on the chairs, you'll see these little long, thin pieces of paper. Those are called connection cards, and they're really just a tool that we use to help people get connected that want to get connected that aren't connected. If you have any prayer requests, we do pray for those every week and actually throughout the week, so um, that's what those are for as well. But I want to pray for us. Uh, and we'll have you guys greet each other, and then after that, we'll do the offering. Um, but the way we do greeting here, you just, we just take our time. We're in no hurry. Uh, we're not trying to get, you know, check off the box of coming and going to church. It's to be with each other. So if you're visiting, you can stay seated. We'll just come to you. Um, but also, if you're very shy, like me, if, when I'm out there and this happens, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is when people are going to start talking to me. I get it. Um, but... We're the church. We're people. So that's why we take that time. It's not just greeting. It's seeing each other. So you can even, you can even go from one end to the other. Father, um, this is your place. This is a holy place. So we surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going to get started. So if you could find your seats or a seat with your new friends. Find the seat that you like the best. I'm going to pray for the offering, and then we'll get started. If you're visiting, please let it pass in front of you. Uh, It's just for those at branches that said it's more convenient. For those that don't go online or use Venmo or whatever, they they prefer it to be passed around. And when we left it in the back, uh, nobody could ever find it. So we decided, all right. Logistically, we should pass it around. Father, uh, thank you for the way that you've provided for us to meet, for the tools you've given us, and for the ways you've allowed us to serve others. Um, This is all yours, so show us how you want it to be used for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we don't have a strict schedule, but it's about quarterly. We do something called storytellers. And people with different gifts and skills that tell the story of uh, our God, 
and His Son, our Lord Jesus. They use it in ways other than just words. And for that reason, um, we set aside that time and, and try to highlight that because when we have someone up here preaching, we think that the only way to preach this good news, to teach this good news, to share this good news is, well, kind of what I'm doing right now. And that's not the only way. And God's goodness is shown in so, so many different mediums. So when we see something, we'll go and ask that artist, would you be willing to do this? And almost always, they look like they're going to throw up in their mouth. And they say, if, okay, if, if, if it helps others. They're not like, yeah, I've been waiting to do this. They never say that. Uh, including, so, well, I was going to introduce Kirsten, who is our storyteller for this morning. She's hugging the pillow because it, it gives her that sense of comfort. It's like her little teddy bear. Uh, well, there's another person that's just as uncomfortable speaking in front of others as she is, and it's her husband, Topher, who I've asked to introduce her, because I thought, who could tell us more about her than her husband? So I was going to do it, and I asked Topher, and uh, Topher, come on up. Uh, Kirsten said, oh, he always looks steady, but he hates talking in front, so, but he's going to look steady. I'll stay down here then. Uh, good morning. So I just wanted to give a little context to what's going on this morning and give you a little background on Kirsten. Um, she's been a part of a number of communities. Um, she grew up in a little town called Hamilton, Massachusetts. Had a ton of horses and open space. Um, she had a bike route there. Just a simple town. Um, then in junior high, she moved out to Santa Barbara. Her dad took a job at uh, Westmont College. She finished up high school and college in Santa Barbara. Um, she studied art and English, got both degrees. Um, she also studied in uh, Saatchi, the school of Saatchi in Florence, Italy. Um, and then after that, she went on to get her post-baccalaureate and master's in fine art at the Laguna College of Art and Design. And then has uh, basically set up Van Moe's studio, this, this studio where she's been producing this art um, that's traveled across the country, has won different awards. She's been featured in um, a couple of Christian art uh, publications she's embarrassed about. Um, but you'll recognize a lot of the faces here, and she's got a deep passion for community, and um, it's really neat that she's been able to share that and um, kind of express her love of people and her fascination with the people around her in her art. Um, I'll turn it over to you guys. I don't really know what you're talking about, but that's Kirsten. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. So this is Kirsten. Hello. It was a, I was sitting with one of our other artists this morning, and we were looking at her artwork, and I was talking about her writing, um, which we'll get to in a little bit. Her writing, I think, is just as incredible as her painting. And as we were doing that, she was singing. And so then the artist says, oh, and she sings. And so we thought, oh, yeah, she's got a little much. Well, just so you know, she's a horrible driver. And I'm sure her house is a mess, and she's completely disorganized. Um, but Kirsten, <laughs> so Kirsten, when I asked you to do this, I knew that you're not a big fan of the spotlight being on you like it literally is right now. But why do this? Why? Why? Um, I'm also really bad at math. <laughs> um, 
mostly, like, mostly because this is what I, it's for. Um, I, ideally, I paint and write so I don't have to talk in front of people um, or do anything in front of anyone. But, um, I, yeah, it's, I, I remember at one point you gave an, an analogy of, you know, ships in the harbor. And, like, that, that's not where they're, that's where they're comfortable and it's good for a ship to be in the harbor, but that's not what it's meant for. And that's kind of how this work is. Like, it's not really, it's not supposed to just keep me company in my studio. Um, but I, and I know there are going to be seasons where it's, that's where it is. And there are going to be seasons where they're, they're meant to be in certain places and where I'm meant to be in certain places. But I don't know. I just, I kind of create right now in the faith that, like, the Lord has a place for it eventually. And, um, yeah, and so when you ask me, I mean, it's not only really, it's not in, only encouraging because I'm alone when I work a lot, but it's also um, it's great to be able to to share because it's yeah, it's what it's for. Well, the best way to jump in, uh, it shares a little bit about you, but also why you do what you do, is this painting right here. And um, so I was introduced to that painting, Kirsten, uh, quietly and humbly. Somehow it slipped out that you had that art show. Or, or Facebook. <laughs> no, when we were talking, you might have Facebook. I, did, I, don't, I don't do a whole lot of Facebook, so I, I missed that. But you had told us about it. And so I wanted to go see it. So Steph and I went up to Laguna, and we turned the corner, and it was, what was the title of the series that they were doing? Women, Women in Art. Women in Art. And I turned the corner as the kiosk, and then there's all the artwork there. And when I walked in, it's not just because it was your piece, but because it stuck out. And it was so powerful to me. It was your piece that caught my eye over all the other ones. And the other ones were amazing. But can you, like, what is this? This, it looks like an icon. Um, and I know that you put thought into everything that you do. So what, what was going on behind the scenes with that? Um, I did that one after... I don't really do a lot of self-portraits because it makes me really un uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I even feel uncomfortable, like, putting myself at, at the center of a of a painting, um, but that was a season where I just had my first son, Ryder, and uh, I graduated from getting my master's at, at nine months pregnant, so I just kind of like learned to paint, and then I had a baby, uh, and it was already just kind of become a major part of my life over the couple years before I had him, and um, it was just a season where I felt like completely torn between um, art and my being a mom, both things, loving them so, so much, um, but just kind of having this total divided heart um, over my, my babies. Like I, I told you earlier, like I felt like I was starving one baby to feed another. Um, and I, it was like I, could, I, I didn't have time to do both and obviously I have to you know, take care of my, my child. And, um, and it, was, so it was kind of a, a, almost like a grieving process for me. I knew it wasn't forever and I knew I loved doing, I loved being, I love being a mom, um, but, and it's a season where you're not sleeping very much either, so <laughs> yeah, everything seems more dire than it actually is, but it, it was, yeah, it was a hard season uh, for that reason. So there's an element of grieving because you knew that you wouldn't lose much visual art. Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I set up that, a photo shoot just to kind of see what would happen, and it was perfect because Ryder was just like, yanking at my boobs and <laughs> trying to take away my brushes. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what this is like. <laughs> you win, baby. 
And it, it is the beauty, one of the things that, that Kirsten says on her, um, on her webpage for her art is that she wants to find or share the holy in the mundane. And when you look at this, I mean, I could see this as an actual picture, and I, we've actually been at your house and, and seen Ryder and Jack do this, and they're pulling at your shirt, and, and it, it, it's real life. I mean, that's your painting hair is my guess, right? Um, get it out of the way so it doesn't get, and then, you know, just t-shirt, jeans, and then, of course, Jack, well, not Jack, because it looks like Jack, but Ryder's having none of it. Like, no, no, give me that, give me this. And yet there's something so beautiful because behind, the powerfulness of that that struck me was that you are giving up this because this is more important. And there's something so beautiful and holy in that. Not that it's fun, but it's beautiful. Now you made yourself the centerpiece here, which you never do, but um, all of these faces, well, most of these faces are very familiar to us. So what goes into choosing who you put in, because we're all mundane, and yet you choose to put us in these paintings. So, well, I guess a great way to start, since I'm staring at it, that we're going out of order, what we have planned, but no, yes, we can do that. Um, so, I don't know if we say the name of the family, Hoku, Tea, and Kakoa, but this was for a series that you did on the sacraments. Correct? Can you give us some background on, on where that came from, why you chose the Clements, and what you were, hope, what you were trying to express out of this? Because you don't do your paintings for other people. It's an expression, right? Yeah. Um, and luckily, sometimes they end up with those people, which in this case they have. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, this was the sacrament of baptism. Um, and yeah, I... I honestly, like, I mean, I don't want to go into too much of it. I, when I pick people to paint, um, it really has a lot to do with just, um, a, lot of, a lot of the paintings are illustrations sometimes of, of Bible verses and, like, snapshots of, um, of concepts, biblical concepts. Um, but it, I always pick people very specifically based on um, how their lives kind of parallel a lot of times, the things that um, are happening there. Um, and at that time, and <laughs> there, there were things that Koku and I had talked about and things she confided in me that she was dealing with. And um, I just, um, her ability to, um, to be such a great, a great mom and a great wife, even though just, you know, there was these things she was struggling with and, and working through, um, just uh, was really powerful to me. Um, and then I don't pick people because they're perfect, because nobody's perfect, um, but just the, the beauty in the, um, in the way she is able to um, reflect God's light, uh, even when maybe she thinks she's not, um, but just by just taking care of her family and just doing things one day at a time. Um, and that's, yeah, kind of why I picked her. So you call them your babies. Yeah, well, actually, I only use it once, but I keep bringing that up. I know that this painting is very close to your heart. And um, we, we had a laugh because she said some places don't want that painting because it's too risque, which I kind of laugh at because um, I know the story behind it. And it's real life, and all of these are, are real life. But this one is, is powerful to you. Can you share the background 
of that one. Um, and this was also during my MFA uh, thesis. It was one of my thesis pieces. Um, this was the Sacrament of Marriage. Um, and actually, the, um, the models are our um, marriage count, the, the couple who did our marriage counseling um, before we got married. Um, and I, <laughs> bless their hearts, I like, <laughs> I had to totally like get them, get them wine and, um, <laughs> can you imagine what that photo shoot looked like? <laughs> Poor guys, anyways. Um, <laughs> but this was like really the first piece, I, don't, I struggled a lot in my, my postgraduate work with, um, I mean art school is, it's, I mean it was such a huge amazing place that was so full of knowledge and um, people who are just willing to teach and um, share, but it was also like kind of a dark place in a spiritual way. It was almost like anything is acceptable except for um, loving Jesus, you know, like every, anyone could kind of say whatever they wanted, but the second Jesus comes up, it's just people get, you know, they go to whatever place that is. Um, so a lot of, and I, I kept kind of painting I couldn't find what I wanted to paint, what I wanted to be. Like your thesis is your theme, basically, for while you're there, and so your whole show when you graduate is supposed to kind of be cohesive. And um, I just, I kept kind of trying to do paint like my peers and paint like my teachers and try to find this like edgy quality. And it just, it wasn't working. It felt creepy and it didn't feel authentic. And um, and one of the one day I just I I decided this is actually the first of the sacraments that I ended up doing approaching and I, you have to send your um, you have to send kind of like your reference shots before you start to your mentor uh, at that stage they you go really slowly and they kind of like critique you as you go you can't even like buy the canvas before they've said okay uh, for your your proposal um, and I, I sent it out to my my mentor and he basically emailed me back he's like no that's corny you shouldn't do that and I emailed him back. I was like, "No, <laughs> doing this. Like, this is this speaks my heart. This visual. Like, I saw it in even just. It's from a. It's from a photograph. And I was like, I saw that photograph. And I was like, this. This represents love and hope and um, all the things I. I want to relay um, to the world. I want to reflect those parts of, of the Lord and to other people." Um, and uh, hope and what a, like, a long-term marriage, you know, hopefully looks like. And um, I don't know. And, and uh, <laughs> he actually emailed me back after that, and he was like, good, I wanted you to, like, fight for yourself and to, to really be excited about what you were going to do. And um, I don't know. And that was just the, kind of the first piece I really, like, did that it, the content and the technical stuff all started kicking in, like, and I just, uh, yeah, it makes me really happy. Plus, it's my edgy piece. <laughs> Which is ironic, because <laughs> I was a total Pollyanna at school. So um, I love it. It's been up at like three churches and then removed because people complained. Um, and it totally makes me giggle. People have had like meetings about this painting. Then I, I don't know what the argument is, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. There's a little bra, I guess, but <laughs> marriage is beautiful. So. You know, looking at this and hearing a little bit of that process. Um, so I've, I've been to her studio, which is in their house. It's just an extra room in the house. It's mainly concrete, although you made it look really cute with that couch that you, you can't see it, but it's the picture you sent over. Um, but how to share the process almost from beginning to end, because I know you're probably working on something right now. So 
how did that begin and what does it look like? And you, do you get a thought for it? Do you see some? I know it's probably different every time, but just for this last piece that you're working on, how did it come about? Where did the inspiration come from? I usually try to be working on it like about three things at once, just in different stages, so that I always kind of have something, because there's always a stage where you kind of run dry a little bit and need to go work on something else before you ruin it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, like, I, I have this long-term project. I've been going through John. Uh, I've been doing a large painting per chapter. And... Um, Which piece are you looking for? I'm just trying to think if any of these are... Well, that's... that. Oh, no. Raquel. Is that Raquel over there? Yes. Uh, <laughs> sorry. That's John 4. Um, but I've been doing, kind of going through that, um, and I'm consistently doing that project until that's done. Um, and, but I'm also working on a piece for the, the Shoreline uh, Easter show again this year. Um, usually, yeah, it starts with a lot of writing and a lot of prayer. Um, I really like when I have a specific project I'm working for, like if someone gives me a verse or whatever, I love just illustrating it, basically. Um, so I write a ton, and then I go back, and I kind of look at the visuals that kind of came out of my brain when I wrote. Um, and then I've kind of, I take, I shoot pictures, I ask some unsuspecting person. I've asked a lot of you, and I'm so sorry. Uh, and thank you. Uh, and then I get it up on Canvas, and then I write again. So I come back to the words and try to kind of add things I learned while I was painting. And while I'm painting, it's just praying over people and... Um, listening to music and praying some more, and um, I, it's weird because I I know I'm alone in my studio, but it's like I get to spend time with whoever I'm with and um, really think about them. And I usually choose them in whatever season that is for a reason. So uh, it's an intimate kind of thing for me, even if they don't know it. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't realize that. You, so you start with writing. So something from scripture, mostly most of the time moves you, and then you just start to write. And the visuals come later? Yeah, there's usually, I, I'm like, I'm a analogy fiend. I really love, like, I don't know, if you're, if you're giving a talk, for instance, and I start spacing out, never, I never, but it, like, if it comes back to like a story or an analogy, like, I'm, I'm back in. And I, I always end up writing down, like, um, I don't know, that's that just the, the words made into visuals and vice versa, it's really interesting to me. Um, and that's a lot of times where that comes from. So I, I warned you that as good as she is as a visual artist, I think that her writing is just as good. Uh, just as amazing, definitely uh, there is a depth to it. So, and where I see her writing, because she doesn't go, hey, here's some stuff I wrote, she doesn't pass it out. But on her website, it, I guess I should say the website in case anyone wants to benefit from it like I have. It's called vanmostudio.org, right? V-A-N, no, .org actually. Well, it transfers you over. Oh, yeah, both. So it hit either one, .org or .com, but vanmostudio. So I was going through the blog entries, and that's actually what, what pushed me over the edge to ask Kirsten, would you please be one of our storytellers? Would you come and share what God is doing in you and, and share what you're trying to express? And so one of those was for last year, and it goes with, well, actually, I don't know if it goes with this painting or it, it started this painting or it was a reflection after this painting, but intimacy, um, 
with BT here at the, uh, at the burial. So I asked her if she would read it and record it, and then we would play it. So we're going to play it um, out loud for you. And this is Kirsten reading her writing that inspired um, that work. It's edited. Yes, and, and it's edited. Um, <laughs> so, so here at Branch, is, we try to be as raw and transparent as possible. And in her writing, it's very raw and transparent. Like, this is awesome. She's like, well, I'll edit. And I go, well, I don't know if we should. But our rule is if we say a word or anything that would distract you from the core of the message, then the word has to disappear. Like when we have our spoken word, people, when they share, will sometimes say, you know, don't use those words because it's going to get people away from what you're trying to share. So think through that. And they, you know, we give them that artistic license. And some of them fired away some four-letter words, but they felt that it was so important to the piece that they had to use it. But Kirsten didn't feel these words are, were that important. So if you hear son of a nutcracker, it wasn't son of a nutcracker that she wrote. Um, so this is, uh, and this is the writing before, after, or during uh, the burial. Choosing intimacy. Lent is a time when we follow our Savior into the arid exposure of the desert and offer our service, fasting, and prayer. We go without so that others may go away with and so that we might remember to return and thank the giver from whence it first came. We remember the darkness so we can dance in the light of the sun. Since I am blessed enough at the moment to have my job be my home and my family, my days are consequently filled with service, organizing, shuttling, sandwich artistry, laundry transferring, refereeing, and, well, wiping. And since I hit the lotto twice in one decade, I also stumbled into an incredible marriage that's all about service, a beautiful, exhausting, two-way street of care, prayer, and cheerleading, grace piled upon provision, heaped upon joy, to whom much is given, much nose-blowing, dust-busting, and rear-grabbing is required. Then there's fasting. I would argue that most of us fast pretty regularly in one way or another, in an obligatory fashion. People around me are starving for things they'd never imagined being deprived of, suspended in time, waiting for their husbands to awaken from comas, waiting for life-altering surgeries to heal, waiting to finally see a positive on a pregnancy test, waiting to fall in love, my friends caring for newborns have resigned themselves to so little sleep that their sanity is routinely ambiguous. I personally have given up being able to finish even one adult conversation without having to yell, son of a nutcracker, so-and-so's messing with a blank, enter applicable noun, i.e. garbage, toilet, postman, etc. Although ranging in severity, one could argue that fasting is effortlessly accessible in this imperfect quarter of the universe. The key is allowing our suffering to turn us to Christ over and over. For me, though, the hardest part of engaging in this season of intentionality is making time to be alone with God. Intimacy is a choice and a challenging one at that. Intimacy, when crowds are pressing in, I write this standing at the kitchen island while my one-year-old literally sucks on my shin. Like many other pastimes that are undeniably beneficial, I am never sad that I set aside moments to worship and listen, but often just getting there is an insurmountable task. 
Jesus was left broken at Calvary, practically alone. He was abandoned by his family and friends, and the twelve were nowhere to be found. But Joseph of Arimathea boldly asks Pilate to take possession of his shattered body, and then tenderly prepares it for burial, out of his own resources. What a secret, worshipful act. If one of my sons lost their lives, and I couldn't be with them in that moment, I would hope desperately that there was someone there to whisper prayers in their ears and touch and dress them gently. This painting burial is a meditation on this moment, a reminder that even in one of the darkest chapters of the Easter story, this man took a breath to come to the feet of Christ and offer himself. I humbly pray for the reverence to do the same. Amen. So, you chose BT, Brian Taylor, in case you don't know who that is. Why, why BT? Because when you shared that with me, that was like an aha moment for me in so many of your pieces. Because the way that you described him and this moment made such sense. I don't want to embarrass him too much. Uh. <laughs> he can handle it. He's got cats. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, if, I think for two specific reasons. Um, one is that it, I knew it was specifically for the, this Easter show, and um, I wanted to pick I wanted to pick a model that was like a little unexpected, just on a visual level. And um, I also he the a pairing with him being visually unexpected is. Uh, you you don't get you don't get him just by meeting him you know I mean just by seeing him you get him by meeting him and like he like just one of the literally the nicest people I've ever met and like we're not super close or anything but I mean he's one of those people who just he shows up and he is there and he gets stuff done and you go, there are all those there are all kinds of people who get make this happen every Sunday and you don't maybe even know their names you might not even see them do what they're doing but um, he's just He's there, he's consistent, he shows up, and he's kind. I've seen him um, be so kind to uh, my brother-in-law, um, actually. I remember they did this like men's retreat. Uh, I wasn't there, but Tove told me about it, and my brother-in-law was, didn't know anybody and was kind of doing his own thing, and he just kind of took him under his wing and was just so kind, and um, I don't know. I just, he, he, could, he seemed... I like, like the perfect, perfect choice, choice. Just, just both, both uh, like, because he, he looks, looks awesome, but, <laughs> but that, like, his insides um, just, just shine. Um, yeah. And the reason that that caught me and, and confirmed to me that this is why we need to do this, why we would have an artist up here, especially someone who, of course, she's honed her craft and she's continuing, but where it comes from. Because if, if you leave this morning and you get caught up in Kirsten or you get caught up in her art, then we have, we have made a mistake. Because our hope is that you would leave knowing what this is a reflection of. That she is a reflection of God. She's not perfect. But God uses all of us uses us to be his light. And when I saw that painting, I know BT. 
And it made such sense to me because I know him. And I think of all the people that have probably walked in front of that piece and thought, wow, that's cool, but not known where it came from. And when she said, you know, you see, you can see BT from the outside and think one thing, but then when you get to know him, you get to see him. And I think that if Christ had wanted anyone to anoint him, I could see BT being that guy. And when she says that she wants to take the mundane and make it holy, I think she does that. And I hope that you have that ability as you move through the day and through the week to see the normal, the routine, and realize, we say this all the time, but maybe the familiar is unfamiliar to you. Maybe you're missing the beauty and the holiness behind it. Now, I'm really just stealing Kirsten's word because I saw it in her, in her bio, and I didn't know that. I just knew what it did for me. I knew what it, what it pulled out inside of me. But what would be your hope that people would experience from this art or what they would take away from it or do you even want them to take away anything from it? What is, what is your hope of the impact that it may have on others? I don't know. I guess, the, I guess it would be that people who didn't know the Lord like, would, would sense something, that they would, it would be like an unawkward, subtle, gentle introduction um, that people would know they're loved and they're beautiful and, um, and that people who do know the Lord would be encouraged um, by the work um, and know that yeah, they are loved and that they're beautiful. Um, and yeah, I think that would be it. You told me something else that I didn't know. When you start painting, each day that you start to paint, you listen to music. So can you share some background on, on that? Uh, yeah, I did, painting and music has always been really tied together. I don't know if it's because in grad school I had to like, like the, you were all working so close to each other, you just put in your phones and try to pretend nobody's around. Um, <laughs> Do you really all have headphones in when you're all painting? Um, yeah, I, well, yeah, these days it's like people live with their headphones on. Um, but it's also like, it's a way for me to just immediately kind of get, because I work, my studio's in my house, which is awesome, but it also means that I have to kind of just be in a different, you know, I have to enter my work world with one step. Um, and yeah, for some reason, just when the music's going and um, I don't know, I love, I love, I pretty much have the same playlist I listen to every time. And then I kind of add, add things onto it, but I kind of, it's for me, I start with the same couple songs that are kind of meditations for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know, like there's just, I don't know, if you're, you're doing what you really love to do, um, what you're really called to do, and then the spirit does the thing, and then the music lines up with the thing you're doing. It's just like, oh, it's the best. <laughs> Doesn't happen every time. Some days you get in there and you're just like, why, why, this is the worst. But sometimes it just all lines up. Sometimes a good hoku song comes on. <laughs> New or old. Uh, <laughs> The burrito yeah. song. That's the burrito that song. I'm sorry, I'm totally throwing you under the bus today. <laughs> so um, this musician, this artist, and I'm not pointing to Tyler, although he inspires her as well, but um, the song that you guys are going to play is from Ben Rector. And you mentioned two songs in particular, and you chose one of them to do for today. Can you give some background on that and why that song is one of those meditation songs for you that you repeat over and over and over again? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, this one's called More Like Love. And um, I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it, he has just a great way of, like, it kind of does in music what I want to do with painting, where, like, I, I can tell that he's a Christian. For sure he is. But none of, really none of his songs are, are like, worship songs in the, the, in the classical sense. Um, but this song, it, it just talks about, like, it's almost like the, whole, the kind of second half of life concept, where the first half of life, you're kind of just figuring out who you are and what you want to do, and it's me, me, me. And then eventually you start figuring out that you want what the Lord wants for you, and that that's so much less anxiety-producing. Um, and it leads to... I'm much less defensive, at least for me. I'm much, I'm much less defensive about things I don't know the answer to. Uh, you know, she talks about, and that I don't, I don't, not doing what I'm doing to be the best and to be famous. And I may have, that may have been something I wanted when I was younger, and that's not something I want at all now. I just, I want, I want solely Deo Gloria. It's Latin for, um, uh, if, oh my gosh, I'm gonna just totally brain fart right now. Uh, <laughs> um, it's essentially to the glory of God alone. So that what I'm doing is not for me, it's for him, and that's, enough, that's plenty. That's more than enough. So. Could you um, share that song with us, please? Sure. For the record, Kirsten did not want to come, here, come up here and sing this with us just because she thought it would be too much of her this Sunday. But we sing together. That's what we do. So I made her come up here and do it. Um, this is a song she's been trying to get us to do on a Sunday for a long time. And I always, I don't know why I say no. Maybe it hits too close to home. <laughs> but uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And I'm sure we'll be doing it again because it really relates to the message. And uh, yeah, kind of like, like she said, sums up where she's at when she's painting.
There's two songs that they, um, well, they, Kirsten, loved. And one of them that we didn't play this morning, I think is really appropriate for us to close with. It's called, she, she says she plays it almost every morning. And it's also by Ben Rector. And it says, uh, the song is Make Something Beautiful. And I'd never heard of the guy. But she loved him. So I was like, all right, let's put him on iTunes. So I listened to him. It was such a powerful song. Such a powerful message. And I thought of, of course, of, of Kirsten's context. She's waking up and paintbrush is there, and so she's going to make something beautiful. But she's saying, Lord, you let me make something beautiful. What if we prayed that in the morning? What if you said, Lord, with whatever I am, make something beautiful? So many of you here have been the object of her showing the holiness in the mundane. 
You may think of yourself as mundane, ordinary, routine, but you are given the gift, the divine spark of God within you. And he wants to use you to make something beautiful. You are beautiful. And he also wants to use you, created in his image. That doesn't mean you look like him. It means that you have his creativeness within you to make something beautiful. Each of you, in your own fields, whether you are in finance, whether you're working on machinery, whether you're an actress, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, even if you're unemployed and you don't have a vocation at this moment, you are given the opportunity to make something beautiful. But you can get so caught up in the routine of life that the familiar becomes unfamiliar. And that familiar should be the holiness and the beauty that comes from God, of what He has created. And for some of you, it's such a gift to have yourself here. Because then you can see yourself in a way you probably don't see yourself. But I can't wait till you get to walk the hallways of God. And as you're walking, you're going to go down that hall, and you're going to turn, and you're going to see yourself. And it's going to blow your mind. That's me? Is that what I look like? Yeah. So they chose this song to close us in. Um, so I'll let them share with that, and then Steph will come and close us up. Can we see it just for the close? So this is my wife, and uh, Kirsten's um, art is one of the ways that God has uh, spoken to us and shown us the holiness in the mundane, and we've actually uh, been used a couple times as the artist or whatever the, the model, whatever that's called, person in the painting, and um, it's given us different eyes, and so. Because of that, because of the impact she's had on us, and because of Steph's friendship with Kirsten and knowing her heart, I've asked Steph to close this. It's on. Don't do it. Oh, awesome. Um, Maya Angelou said, uh, we delight in the beauty of the butterfly, but rarely admit the changes it's gone through to achieve that beauty. Um, as a teacher, I teach life cycles all year long. <laughs> it's the first grade standard. We look at the life cycles of every living thing. And it's always incredible to me how everything has a cycle. Everything that lives is to go through a process to become what it's supposed to be. And every time I look at Kirsten's paintings, I am struck by the beauty of the life that we get to live and the things that we do and how often we feel like we're just kind of walking in these mundane steps and the same thing keeps happening over and over again but yet things are changing slowly. And at one point in time in our lives we come to a point where we realize how desperately we need a savior. Sometimes the mundane gets so hard or something comes in that cycle of life that we just can't figure out how we're going to walk the next step up. Even if it's those late nights when you have to bathe and 
By the time you lay them down in bed, you're like, I'm not sure. I get up and do this all over again the next day. And then Jesus came into that life cycle. And he lived this life among us. And he understood sorrow and joy and community and friendship. And he also realized that he needed to save us. And he finished it. On Good Friday, we'll celebrate the fact that we have a Savior that came in to our everyday lives and sacrificed everything so that our mundane, so that our daily walk can be redeemed and can be beautiful. For me, I think about every single thing I do every day. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. So many things are so incredibly good. But when I acknowledge the fact that not only can they be good, but they can be holy. It's the most beautiful thing. And I hope that we all realize as we walk out today that it's just not a circle life cycle. It's so much more. And it's heading to become one of the most beautiful things we could ever imagine. And when we redeem the daily things that we do, we allow God to kind of come in and redeem us. We can share that with others. And they can walk and see the holiness that is in our everyday. I am so passionate about art and expression and gifts and the things that God does inside of us. And I hope that you guys can see the beauty in all of this today and realize that he, exactly what Book said, there is so much beauty within each of us. And he, he wants to be our redeemer. He wants to redeem this mundane and make it incredible. So I hope you walk out today realizing that. Um, I'm going to pray and we'll finish. Father God, it's overwhelming to me how much you love us and what you did for us by sending your son to live here on this earth to save us from the mundane and make it holy. Thank you so much. Father God, I pray during this season of Lent that each one of us would pause and that we would begin to see the metamorphosis that's occurring in each of us. We pray these precious things in your name. Amen.